So the title, you ready for this? Here we go. The title of my message today is the same as the book, Is God Listening? Here is my passion. You know, let's say, let's take you as a church. Here you are in this moment where God's doing so much. You're growing. God's blessing. I'm telling you, there is a spirit of faith in this house. There's a strength here that is much greater than what I experienced last year when I was here. It's just, everything is just increasing and growing, and it's wonderful. But I will tell you this. It's very important to not outgrow your prayer life, both corporately in the church and in your personal life. Sometimes we can pour on the coal, so to speak, spiritually with God, and then God begins to bless us, and then we can let the blessing of God outrun the pace of our relationship with God or our prayer life. And folks, listen to me. Everything you do in your life, everything is to be built upon the foundation of a good, healthy relationship with God in prayer. Prayer is the most beautiful thing in the universe. But the problem is simply this. Listen. Let me just say this. Prayer is where your greatest peace is to be found. It's where your greatest satisfaction is to be found. It's to be the most glorious, joyous, beautiful, exciting activity that you have in your day. But yet for so many Christians, that's not the case. If we're being honest with ourselves, that, that's not the case with so many. That for so many, prayer is something that we know we need to do. That we ought to do, so it's an obligation, and so we do it out of a sense of duty. And we, we, when we pray out of sense of obligation, you know, I mean, I've got to pray, you know. So we set our time, or in our schedule, we got to pray this amount, I'm going to pray 15 minutes, then I go into my next thing. And then we're think, we think that we're checking it off on our list and doing our duty. And so then somehow God smiles upon that. But if we're honest with ourselves, then we find really prayer to be very unfulfilling. That prayer in that sense, in that case, is, has no sense of joy about it. And, and if we're honest about it, we really feel like prayer is not really working or doing that much. And folks, I just want to appeal to you today with this, and that is that that's not what prayer is about. We are to come out of prayer with this sense in the morning that we have obtained something that makes us better, that makes us stronger, that makes us fresher and happier for all that we have to do throughout the day. Amen? It's true. Well, if prayer is so wonderful, then why do people, so many Christians, find it so difficult? There are many Christians who even struggle to stay faithful in prayer. They've tried for a while in prayer, and then they just look like they thought, well, you know, this is not really doing good or I'm not great, much great in prayer. And so then they quit praying or they pray every once in a while. Why is it that we do that? If prayer is so wonderful, why do we find such a struggle with it? And I have found the answer. You know what the answer is? It's very simple. The Bible tells us that prayer, the place of prayer is a secret place. Look at this in the book of Matthew chapter 6, verse 6. It'll be on the screen here. Jesus said, but you, when you pray, go into your room, and when you have shut your door, pray to your Father who is in the secret place. He calls the prayer room the secret place. 
Look at this in the book of Psalm 27, 5. The psalmist says this. You ready? One thing I have desired of the Lord, that I will seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. For in the time of trouble, he shall hide me in his pavilion. In the secret place of his tabernacle, he shall hide me. Prayer is called a secret place. Why is that significant? For this reason. If prayer is a secret, what is it it a secret from? It's not a secret because you can't find it, but it's a secret because it's hidden. But what is it hidden from? You know what it's hidden from? And herein lies the key. The secret place of prayer is hidden from the natural man, from your mind, your intellect, your emotions. Your physical man. Are you with me now? In other words, you cannot contact God with your mind. Follow me with this. I'm going somewhere with this. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 2.14, Paul says this. He says, for the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, neither can he know them. He can't know them. Why? For they are spiritually discerned. And what happens is this. The reason so many people struggle to stay faithful in prayer and to find joy in prayer is because they try to enter into the activity of prayer the way they enter into every other activity. They try to enter into every other way. The way they do everything else. It's like I get up, I I take my shower in the morning, check. I eat breakfast in the morning, check. I'm going to go pray for 50 minutes, check. And we move from thing to thing to thing, including prayer, The same way, not really realizing, you ready for this? That when we step into the closet of prayer, we're stepping out of one world into a completely different world. Are you with me now? Everything else we do in the shower in the morning, the breakfast, everything else we do is in this world. But prayer is in the world of the Spirit. It's entering in the tabernacle of heaven. Ah, hallelujah. You listen to me now. And that this is a subtle thing because sometimes it's hard to discern between the natural mind and the spirit. But there's a vast world of difference. And my point is this. How is it that we enter into the prayer closet with the natural man trying to contact God in the spirit realm? Here's how we do it. We just go in and we all this, you know, everything else we do, we're engaged with our mind. And now we enter into prayer. We read our Bible. We're engaging our mind. Then we talk to God, and it's like, you, let me put it this way. It's real easy to explain in worship. In worship, I can be in a place, and in a few moments, I can tell if the team on the platform is really worshiping out of their hearts or if they are just doing something out of their heads. You listen to me now. Because if they're just doing it, singing the song, you know, this is the way I fight my battles. This is the way I fight. They sing the words, but there's no power in it. There's no unction in it. You with me now? But when they are seen, when they step over into the world of the spirit, there is a fire. There's an unction. Y'all with me now? It's what I felt this morning. Did y'all feel that this morning, huh? In the world of the spirit. So when you enter into prayer. You have to understand it's a secret place. You step out of the realm of the natural. Your natural mind is to contact the natural world. 
but your spirit is made to contact God. So how does that play out? Watch this. There are secrets to it. In the book that I've written, I laid out 13 secrets. I'm just going to lay out a couple today. And here they are. You ready? I said, are you ready? Okay. Listen to these secrets. Secrets that help you enter the secret place of prayer. Number one is this. You first have to buy the field of prayer. Sounds strange, doesn't it? But look in Matthew 13, 44. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and hid, and for joy over it, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Think with me just a moment. This is a parable about the kingdom of God. What is the kingdom of God? Actually, simply put, you could say the kingdom of God is God's rule and reign from heaven on earth. It's how God carries out his rule and reign from heaven on earth. Y'all buy into that, right? So this is a parable about how God carries out his rule and reign from heaven on earth. Well, how does God carry out his rule and reign from heaven on earth? The primary way he does that is through prayer. God does all of his business on earth through a divine exchange through his people praying. And so then you can apply this to prayer. In prayer, he says this. He says this, you could say it this way. In the prayer life, it's like a treasure. It's like finding a treasure hidden in the field, which a man found and hidden for joy over it. Joy over it. He goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. The treasure hidden in the field is the presence of God. Now think with me just a moment. When you enter into prayer, you may have a list of things you pray for. You know, you may be doing a lot of things in prayer. But really, the number one reason you are there in prayer is you are to find the presence of God and obtain his manifest presence upon your life for the day. The treasure hidden in the field is the presence of God. Y'all with me now? Everything else flows out of that. You get that? So this is one way people don't find the secret place. They stay in the natural realm by reading off their lists of requests. God, we want this, 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 and this. And they think that's prayer. That's not prayer. Prayer is entering into a divine relationship with God where you obtain his grace and his favor upon your life. Listen, but the treasure is God's presence. But the field is the field of prayer. You have to buy the field of prayer in order to get the treasure. So what? how do you buy the field? Well, you have to pay the cost to show up every day. Are you with me now? So here's, it sounds real simple, but here is a major key. Listen, many times the reason people don't pray regularly or find joy in prayer is because they pray for a while and then it doesn't feel like it's working and so then it, since it doesn't feel like anything's happening, they quit praying. So what's the use in praying since really nothing feels like it's happening? Are you all with me now? And the thing is, you have, to, uh, you have to buy this field, which means you have to pay the price to say, I'm going to show up in prayer every single day, whether it feels like God is there or not, whether it feels like God is doing anything or not, for this reason. It's because that anybody who's going to have a successful life in prayer comes to understand that you will experience dry times in prayer. In other words, the seasons when it feels like God is nowhere around actually sometimes are designed by God himself. And that sometimes you have these seasons where it feels like a gusher where all of heaven is open to you. But in those dry seasons, some people begin to think, well, God's not here with me. 
And so I'm, I'm, I'm just going to quit praying. Are you all with me now? And so they don't understand that the dry times is when God does some of his best work. Are you with me now? You want to know why I feel that? I begin to realize this after a while through my journey of prayer. And that is, you know, one reason, one of the main reasons we experience dry seasons in prayer is because God sometimes hides himself. Now, that's a new thought, isn't it? Sometimes God hides himself. You say God hides himself? Yes, absolutely. If you look over in the Song of Solomon, and I love this, watch this. The Song of Solomon, chapter 3, and the, the, the Song of Solomon is this beautiful book in the Bible. It's about a Shulamite woman and her lover. And man, it's full of explicit love language. And, and, and I've heard preachers preach out of this book on sex, a, a message or a series on sex. And I think, you know, what an idiot. This is not about sex at all. What the Song of Solomon is, is it's language uh, that relates to our love relationship with our Heavenly Father. Are you with me now? It's an analogy to show us the intimacy between us and our Father in prayer. And if you understand that, then look at Song of Solomon chapter 3, verse 1. It says this. Here's the Shulamite. You ready? By night on my bed I sought the one I love. I sought him, but I did not find him. So now here she is in this love relationship. And all of a sudden, one day, she said, I sought him, but I, he's not here. I didn't find him. I will arise now, I said, go about the city. In the streets and in the squares, I will seek the one I love. I sought him, but I did not find him. The watchmen who go about the city found me. I said, have you seen the one I love? Scarcely had I passed by them when I found the one I love. I held him and would not let him go until I had brought him to the house of my mother and into the chamber of her who conceived me. Wow, this is tough stuff, isn't it? Ah. And it relates to our relationship with God. Here's the message. The Shulamite had this beautiful love relationship with her lover. But then all of a sudden she wakes up one day and she's seeking him the same, but she can't find him. So it's interesting. She goes around. And the thing is, is that she finds him, which tells us he wasn't gone. Listen to this. Even though the Shulamite could not see him or feel him, he was still there. He was just hiding around the corner. You with me now? You get that? He was there. He was just hiding. She couldn't see him or feel him. But the key is simply this. Whenever she could not feel him or see him, when it appeared he wasn't there, she didn't give up and say, oh, what's the use? He's gone. He's not here. She said, I will rise up and I will go about the city and seek him. Ah, I love that. Because first of all, why in the world would God hide himself in the first place? You want to know why he hides himself sometimes? It's because he knows that we as humans have a tendency to leak. We leak. You understand that? We drift. We lose what we had. We're on this ebb and flow. It's the way we are. You don't stay in a static state. In your love, your relationship, your passion for God. It just ebbs and flows, ebbs and flows. And God knows that. So because he knows we drift. We don't always stay. It's impossible to stay at this peak 
of the mountaintop experience with God. And so with seasons in our prayer time, God will withdraw himself. But he's right around the corner, if you please, hiding. Why is he hiding? He's hiding because absence makes the heart grow fonder. And he's hiding that we may seek him, that we may say like the Shulamite, I'm not going to quit. But if he's absent, if he appears absent, I'm going to rise and seek him all the more. And those who search for me, he says, with all their heart shall find me. Isn't that beautiful? And what I have found through that, I have found that through the dry times, if I, now what I do, I look at those as opportunities. Oh, today, it felt like God was nowhere around. The heavens were like brass, felt like nothing was happening. I'm taking that as an opportunity. God, I'm going after you with all I've got because I have found that the pay is even greater. The reward is sweeter when you find God through the dry seasons. <laughs> I like that. Don't you like that? Oh, it's good. It's like through those dry seasons. If you just press in and say it doesn't make any difference what it feels like. I'm not praying because it felt like my prayers were being answered. You know, judging the fruitfulness of your praying by what you felt like happened is looking for a natural confirmation to a spiritual activity. You're looking for it in the wrong realm. Oh, and I looked for it as an opportunity. And I found through that, folks, listen to this. Then I found that in, the, and it took me years to discover this. So please get this. It took me years to discover this. I began to realize through time, I just watched this and tested it, that God rewards us just as much through the seasons when it's dry. And it appears God's nowhere around and the heavens are like breath. The reward is just as great as it is when all the heavens seem to be open. It comes in different ways, but the reward is just as great. Don't ever be deceived into thinking that your prayer is not working just because you feel like, well, nothing really was happening today. Folks, there are lots of reasons that it feels like nothing's happening. Sometimes you're just tired. You know, I remember, you know, here, we had our church. We, in our church, we instituted this 6 a.m. prayer meeting every morning. 6 a.m. and I was leading the prayer meeting. So I was leading the air for day. So I get up and I go to the 6 a.m. prayer meeting. I'm standing up, I'm standing up on the platform and I'm, I'm leading the prayer meeting. There's about 350 people out there all praying. They're kind of walking back and forth doing their own thing. But yet here I was on the platform leading this prayer meeting. And I'm leading it, praying, and they're praying out there. But the problem was I had been up late the night before and I was very tired. Man, I was so weird. And, and about a little ways through the prayer meeting, I got so tired. So tired that uh, we had stairs down the front of our platform. And I just decided, I thought, you know what? I'm going to come down here and I'm going to lay on these stairs and kind of put my head down on my arm with the mic like this. And I'm going to lead the prayer meeting like this. And so I lay down on the steps, put my head in my arms. I say, oh, God, we pray for this city. Oh, God, I pray. Bless Lord God. Dude, I fell asleep. Now, can I tell you, it's one thing to fall asleep just praying. It's another to fall asleep leading a prayer meeting. <laughs> leading a prayer meeting. 
I fell asleep leading 350 people in prayer. Oh, I fell asleep and, of course, didn't know how long. After a while, all of a sudden, I'm like this, and I woke up. When I woke up, the first thought I thought, I was mortified. I thought, oh, I've fallen asleep leading the prayer meeting. I hope nobody has noticed. And so I did one of these super spiritual things where I just, I came out of it like this. Oh, God, I just prayed you. We thank you, Lord. Yes, hallelujah. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Which is very pharisaical. It's very hypocritical. But anyway, and so I, I look up. I'm still laying there, but I look up. And the whole church was empty. Everybody was gone. The prayer meeting was over. I was mortified. I had no idea how long it had been over. And then I'm still laying here. And I look down at myself. And when I look down, I see that someone had put a blanket over the top of me. And there was a homemade sign put on top of the blanket that said, Wakey, wakey, Pastor Rick. And I thought, boy, they sure had a laugh over this, didn't they? Oh, I was so humiliated. And then listen to this. Now here I am alone in the church. And I said this. I honestly said this out of my heart to God. I said, God, does that count? You know, I fell asleep and slept through half the thing. God, does that count? Listen, it changed my life. The Lord said to me, he said, well, at least you showed up. He said, better to fall asleep in the arms of God than to fall asleep in the arms of the world. Wow. Wow. Ah, I like that. You get that? It totally took away any condemnation from me. I'm not advocating doing your sleep while you're praying. I'm just saying that life is life, you know? And, and it just it removed all condemnation. And it, it taught me a lesson that has helped me in so many moments of prayer. That prayer is not fruitful because I felt like it was fruitful. It's fruitful because I showed up with the right heart before God. Y'all get that today? Come on, give the Lord a praise in this place. Hallelujah. I've got one minute and ten seconds. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Listen to this. Look, can I give you one more? Just one more. You're, which one am I going to give you? Oh, I was going to give you three. Let me, I'll give you that or give you this. No, I won't give you that. I'll give you this. Let's give you this. Are you ready? Look at this. Listen to this. I found this secret. I call it the secret of God's presence. Watch this. Let's go back to that verse in Matthew 6, 6. Matthew 6, 6. But you, when you pray, when you pray, go into your room, and when you have shut your door, pray to your Father who is in the secret place. And your Father who, is, who sees in secret will reward you openly. When I read this passage one day, listen, get this. So many times we miss powerful revelations, truths, in scriptures like this that we really think there's not much in. Okay, it's about prayer. Go pray. Jesus hears. There's so much in here. Listen, he said, when you pray, go into your room, shut your door. And he says, pray to your father who is in the secret place. And one day I read that and it jumped out at me. The word is. It exploded. The word is. And I read it like this. And pray to your father who is in the secret place. 
I read it again and again. Who is in the secret? Pray to your father. Who is in the secret place? And it just went over and over and over. Your father is in the secret place. And the Lord spoke to me instantly. And he said, Rick, here's a problem that you have. He said, you come into prayer, spending the first 10, 15 minutes trying to, trying to work your way into my presence and work your way up to the place where you feel like I'm there and I'm listening to you. He said, well, he said, when you enter the room, he said, your father doesn't follow you into the room. He's already in the room before you ever get there. Ah, he said, when you come, you're the doing the coming. When you come, he is there. While you're coming, he is there. Well, how does that change things? It totally, completely changes from me thinking, which all of us as humans have this problem. We think, you know what? I, I could be more spiritual and I'm not all that. And, and so I've got to earn my place with God. You know, or like, you know, we say, God, come, please come, God. I know I haven't been that great. God, please meet with me. And all of a sudden, I begin to see that the moment, watch this, that I step into the prayer, the secret place, that God is already, if you please, sitting in a chair there waiting for me, saying, come. That he is there inviting me into it. I'm not waiting on him. He's waiting on me. And if that's true, if I've already got his attention before I even get in the room, then I don't need to perform before God in order to have a good time in prayer. It completely changed me when I quit praying all those prayers. Oh, God, I need you. Oh, God, come and do this or whatever. And I just, you know, all of a sudden, I would visualize God sitting there. All right, here I go. I'm coming in. I shut the door. There he is. And so this is the way I start my prayer. Instead of, oh, God, come, please. It's, oh, God, it's so good to see you. Oh, I love you. I missed you. Oh, God, I'm so glad you're here with me today. You start from a completely different posture. Isn't that beautiful? If he's already listening, then the Bible tells us that if he hears, we know that we have the answers to our prayers. And many times we don't think that prayer is working because we don't think God really is listening. And so prayer becomes a performance before God instead of just entering into this beautiful, restful, loving relationship. Folks, can I tell you, here's my main message to you today. If you're struggling in prayer at all, to help you along your journey, I just want to say this. For a while, why don't you try this? Just forget about all your lists. Just forget about it all. Lay it all aside. And enter into that room. Just with the picture of your Father, Heavenly Father, sitting there waiting. And you spend your time there looking at Him, loving Him, letting Him love you back. That's obtaining the treasure hidden. In the field. Are you listening to me now? I discovered this in such a real and powerful way. Because this is actually what my prayer journey is all about. You know, I made a decision 42 years ago. 42 years ago, I made a decision that I was going to be a man of prayer. I thought, I am going to spend my life in prayer. 
And so I didn't have a prayer life at that time. I mean, as I was growing up in church, I had prayed now and then, but, you know, most of the time it was, help, you know, or something like that. Now I decided I'm going to be a man of prayer. But I had no one to teach me. I didn't really know that much about it. And so I began my journey in prayer. And listen to this, and here's where I began. On the first day I began, I, I decided, I told my wife, I'm going to pray because I heard someone preach that you should pray one hour a day. Jesus said, what, could you not watch one hour with me? One hour is the magic time. If you pray one hour, then God will love you and favor you. So I decided I was going to pray one hour. And so I set my watch. I looked. I mean, when it got right on the top, I just started praying. And I thought, I'm going to pray one hour. And I prayed for the, my wife. I prayed for my little boy. I prayed for the church and for the other. I wasn't passing the time. But prayed for, you know, the missionaries and the cats and the dogs and everything. I prayed for everything I knew to pray for. And finally, after a while of exhausting everything that I knew to pray for, I remember thinking, surely an hour has gone by by now. And I looked down at my watch. And five minutes had passed. Five stinking minutes. I remember thinking, I will never be a man of prayer. How in the world can you pray an hour? I can't think of enough to say to pray ten minutes. I was so discouraged. But listen, out of my will, sheer willpower, I just kept doggedly at it. And I got to ten and twenty and thirty and forty and fifty. And I got to one hour. And now I was praying one hour every day. I mean, I was doing it diligently. And it's interesting, once I got to one hour a day, I felt like I, felt like I was good. This is great. God loves me, you know, and I'm happy, I'm spiritual, all that. I just felt good. Until I went to a conference and I heard someone preach that, you, that really what you need to do is you need to tithe your time to God in prayer. It only makes sense, just like your money, that if there's 24 hours in a day, the tithe is 2 hours and 24 minutes. So you should pray 2 hours and 24 minutes. And if you do, God will bless you. I remember at first I was so discouraged. But I thought, isn't this interesting? Think of this. The moment before I heard that, I was totally at peace and felt spiritual praying one hour. The moment I heard that the obligation was greater, I felt totally lost and unsaved. I felt like I, I just wasn't... Anything. Listen. So I, but I worked at it and finally got to two hours and 24 minutes. Now I was praying two hours and 24 minutes. Not two hours and 25, not two hours and 23, but two hours and 24. Every single day. And when I got to 224, I remember I felt so spiritual, so confident. This is it. I'm good. Until I went to another conference one day. And I went to this conference, and the, the pastor of the world's largest church was preaching from Seoul, Korea, Dr. Cho. And Dr. Cho got up there. I don't, I don't have a good uh, Korean accent, but anyway. But, uh, Dr. Cho got up there, and here's what he said. He said, oh, you pastors. He said, you want blessing of God on your life and ministry? You want favor of God? He said, I pray five hours every day. You must pray five hours every day. And I remember I was so mad. I was so, five hours, give me a break. Forget it. I'm done. I got so discouraged and I didn't even try. I didn't even try. And then a while later, I was 
with a friend of mine who happened to be on the board of Dr. Cho. And I was talking to him, and I was telling him my story, and then he told me this. He said, well, you know what's interesting? I was playing golf with Dr. Cho here a while back, and he said when we played golf together, he would hit the ball, and then he would go, and he hit the ball, and he'd go, and he hit the ball, and thank you, Jesus, I love you. Hit the ball, and he did that for 18 holes. And he said, after the round of golf, I said to Dr. Cho, what have you just, what did just happen here? He said, oh, he said, this is how I get in five hours every day. I was so angry. I thought you told me about the five hours. You said nothing about the golf. And instantly, whenever I thought that, the Lord spoke to me and he said this. He said, listen, the problem is not with him. The problem is with you. He said, he's already worked out his relationship with me. And he's come to peace where the, he can be in the presence of God in the secret closet of his prayer room. Or he can be in the presence of God out on the golf course. Because he's not performing before me. He's entered into a love relationship with me. And it rocked my world. And completely changed me. Where I stopped trying to perform before God. And I just began to enter into that love relationship with him. And when you do that, everything changes. Amen? Everybody give the Lord a hand clap in this place. Hey! Hallelujah! Hallelujah! Listen, folks, I, I challenge you, I urge you, folks, listen, that every one of you, no matter the person thinks you're the least spiritual in this place, let me tell you something. You can have a beautiful, effective prayer life. I want to challenge you to do this as a, as a very practical matter. Listen, throw out the time limit. Just forget about it. it it'll mess you up. Don't say, I, well, I got to pray this amount of time. Just forget the time limit. And just begin to enter in however long or however short. Make the time very real and personal between you and the Father. Sit there before Him. Envision Him there looking upon you, smiling upon you, accepting you. And then pour your heart out to His loving heart. And love Him and let Him love you back. And if that's where you start, end it there, and that's enough for a while. And let that grow until out of that you begin to be, feel so loved by God and embraced by Him that you begin to hear His heart, and He leads you in your prayer now. And now your prayer takes on a whole new role of intercession, petition before Him, spiritual warfare. But you're not trying to earn a place with God. You're starting from that place of rest in the loving arms of God. Amen.